Welcome to MS Minute with DCND, your podcast for understanding multiple sclerosis. Every month, our MS experts tackle a different topic to help you manage your disease and live a better life. DCND is a private neurology practice based out of Dayton, Ohio. It's certified by the National MS Society as a comprehensive MS care center. Please note this podcast and its content is designed for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome to MS Minute with DCND. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are discussing exercise and movement and how that can help with MS symptoms. I'm Natalie Pugar. Dr. Derek Mankadik is joining us again today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much again for having me. I'm excited to um, continue to educate and provide information about MS and living with this, this disease. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a very interesting topic and one that I'm sure a lot of patients have questions about. Um, I wanted to start with uh, a, a little study that I found because years ago, MS patients were told not to exercise, um, but that guidance has changed a lot over the years after this study came out. So I wanted to pick your brain about what that showed. So one thing to remember about this study is it came out in 1996. Um, so it is an old study. Um, but there was a lot of questions about exercise and MS prior to that. There was somewhat of a misconception that exercise could worsen MS. And so this very pivotal study done in 1996 actually demonstrated that regular aerobic exercise was found to increase fitness, arm and leg strength, and could actually improve a patient's bowel and bladder control. It also had other benefits that were really important for people living with MS, and it showed that there was a decrease in anger, fatigue, and depression. And so basically, this study really demonstrated that exercise is, is important as part of a person's strategy for mitigating their MS fatigue and to help manage their disease. So as I said, that study was done a little while ago, and since that time, there's been multiple, multiple studies that have continued to prove that MS and exercise go hand in hand and that they should be done um, because there's more and more benefit with exercise in people with MS. So again, with some of those studies, they've proved that there's been improvement, excuse me, there's been uh, benefits to cardio fitness, to strength, to bowel and bladder function, fatigue, mood, cognitive function, and bone density and flexibility. One of the other things that I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier was that MS was thought to, excuse me, exercise was thought to cause some flares in MS. And now we know that that's not true. One of the things that exercise can do is it can raise your body temperature, which can then result in some symptoms of MS to come back. For example, if you have numbness on one side and let's say when your body temperature rises, that numbness can come back at times, which is something that we, in the, we as neurologists call pseudo exacerbation, but we know that the exercise is not actually damaging the nervous system in any way. It's just that the body temperature is rising and as your body temperature falls after the exercise, those symptoms tend to go away. Gotcha, well, that's good. So it doesn't last for, for very long. Mm -mm. So really the, the benefit still is there. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so well, thank goodness for research and that they, they found this out. Um, I wanted to kind of dive into a, a little bit more about a, a point that you made that it can help um, manage fatigue, because that sounds like something that uh, would be the opposite effect. If you're tired, why would you have the energy to work out? 
Yeah, that is, uh, does seem a little bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? Um, when we actually dive into the research behind exercise and fatigue, though, um, we've actually found that exercise is extremely beneficial to fatigue. It helps reduce fatigue overall. Um, so, of course, that's a major barrier in that, you know, you already feel tired, you don't want to exercise. Um, but even doing lower intensity exercise programs, so, you know, maybe you're not feeling 100% today, but even if you're doing a mild form of exercise, that can still have a positive outcome in your fatigue. Um, and so what we know is that, you know, even lower amounts of exercise can increase the heart rate, which supports more blood flow up to the brain, which supports neurocognitive um, health. And so it can help improve the kind of talking in between the neurons and the brain, and that can help mitigate fatigue. Because that's one of the things that we think that is the reason for fatigue is that um, those, those injured brain cells are just requiring more energy. So if you provide more blood flow, the idea is that you can provide more energy. And so you can maybe help mitigate some of that fatigue a little bit. One of the most interesting things that they've studied with some of the fatigue studies is that all forms of exercise, both aerobic and mixed forms of exercise, can reduce uh, fatigue levels. So, you know, even if you don't feel like jogging that day, maybe you try to do some stretching or some other forms of exercise, and we'll dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. There are also a couple of strategies that are really important in helping exercise and in, in dealing with MS fatigue. Um, so one of those things is to kind of start slow and also increase your level of activity slowly. Um, so that just kind of gives an idea that your muscles and your body are warming up through all of this. And so you definitely want to take time to get yourself moving before you really start to exercise to at least a moderate intensity. Um, but always listen to your body whenever you're exercising. Um, you can also decrease exercise increments. So this was an interesting study where they broke up um, an exercise session of about 15 minutes. So one group of people exercised for 15 minutes straight and one group of people exercised um, in five minute sessions three times a day. So they both still exercised 15 minutes total and those groups of people had the same benefits. So if you're feeling really tired and can only do exercise for five minutes, um, but do that three times a day, that can still be beneficial. One thing to help with fatigue is to uh, choose times when you have the most energy. So if you know you're a morning person and you have the most energy right in the beginning of your day, maybe that's a time to choose to exercise. And maybe that can give you the kind of energy boost you need to help you through that day, especially as you're kind of dragging towards the afternoon hours, like you know even normal people who don't have MS do. Uh, do. Um, making sure that you're keeping cool while exercising can be really important in helping with fatigue and MS symptoms. Remember I mentioned those pseudo exacerbations a little while ago. And so if you keep your body temperature a little bit cooler, there's lots of strategies to do that, whether it's you know working out in an, in an air conditioned room or getting fans or getting cooling vests, there's lots of different strategies you can do to keep cool while exercising. And maybe you can prevent that pseudo exacerbation and keep your energy levels up. Um, and then one interesting study that I looked at that was um, even beneficial to me was that something called vestibular therapy can help with fatigue, um, which is a very particular type of physical therapy. But with this vestibular therapy, what they showed was that people with balance problems, if they did the vestibular therapy, it actually helped um, both their balance and their fatigue levels. So if you're someone with an issue with balance as a part of your disease, um, then that might be something to consider in the future too. 
Wow, yeah, lots of good studies for fatigue out there right now. Um, let's talk a little bit about some different exercises. You know, the, the study, the initial study talked a lot about um, aerobic and cardio exercises, as you've mentioned. So what exactly would that include? So what should MS patients be looking for when, when trying to decide what kind of aerobic or cardio exercise to incorporate into their lifestyle? Mm -hmm. So aerobic exercise can be anything that increases your heart rate and breathing rate. And when doing aerobic exercise, you're basically wanting to target about a moderate intensity. And it should be something you can do two to three times a week for about 20 to 30 minutes at a time. So other than that, the definition is pretty broad. And so it can look different for a lot of different people depending on their level of disability and their own personal preference. If you're somebody who likes to run, jogging might be a great option. Walking is always a great option. If you hate those types of things, then pick something else. You can do stationary bike or ride a regular bike. You can do things like swimming. You can do group activities or individual activities. Um, some people get a lot of drive from playing a competition sport like basketball or volleyball, something like that. Other people, that's not their cup of tea and that's okay. And they would prefer, prefer, prefer to um, work with something where it's more of an individual-based um, activity. But the most important thing to do is to just choose something that you find enjoyable and fun and that's challenging to you so you can get the full benefits of the exercise and also it doesn't feel like such a chore. So, you know, if it feels like such a chore to you, you're not going to continue to do it for a long period of time. So that's where kind of thinking about, you know, your own personal preference and exercise can really make sure that you can get the sustained benefits of exercise that are so important for people, um, not only with MS, but who are, you know, normal people not living with this disease. Yeah, absolutely. So is there any um, a cardio workout that you would not recommend? Um, there's nothing in particular that I wouldn't recommend, but I would recommend that um, you talk to your doctor, maybe your exercise counselor, someone like that, especially if you're a person who's living with some disability with your MS, making sure that the activity that you're choosing is gonna be a safe option for you and that it's feasible. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more uh, about picking um, different goals for exercise later on in the podcast. Perfect. Um, how about a, a, another form, another popular kind of exercise out there right now is yoga, Pilates, Tai Chi. Um, is that another good option for, for patients with MS? Absolutely. Um, yoga has become extremely popular in, in the general population um, over the last couple of years, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. Um, yoga is great for stretching and strengthening muscles. It's great for balance. And it not only targets the physical aspect of your body, it also can help with your emotional and spiritual well-being um, because there's a meditative component to yoga. And so in people living with MS, they often have problems with you know, muscle tightness. So the stretching can be helpful. They have problems with their balance. So working on the balance with yoga can be helpful. And they also you know, are dealing with a lot of stress because of their underlying disease. And so having that meditative component can be really helpful. So things like yoga are really important for that. Along the same sort of lines, Tai Chi has been helpful, has been shown to be helpful in multiple neurological conditions, not just MS. 
Um, but one of the one of the things about Tai Chi is it's been specifically studied in MS population, and there's been significant benefits in people in their balance and in their quality of life. So whenever patients ask me about recommendations for those types of exercises, I, I think that yoga or Tai Chi are great options. Um, one of the other interesting options for patients, especially now in this COVID era, is online workouts. So a lot of different companies, a lot of different platforms out there have online workouts. And so if you're someone who maybe has transportation limitations or you, know, you have that day of fatigue where you don't feel like leaving the house, using an online platform might give you that extra drive to get your exercise in and to help provide this benefit to yourself. Another interesting option um, that I don't know that everybody's aware of, but I wanted to mention today was that using video games for exercise is something that's also um, becoming popular. I don't have any you know, specific um, platform that's better than another, but just in doing a little bit of research for this podcast, things like the Oculus um, platform with they have virtual reality games where you're like dancing or um, doing different movements, different stretching type of activities that can um, basically count as exercise for you. So, you know, you're playing a game, but also getting the exercise. And so if you're a person who enjoys those types of things, that might be something to really look into. Wow. Yeah. So make it fun. Exactly. Cool. Um, how about water exercise? Um, I, I heard that that is particularly helpful for patients with MS. Why is that? Water exercise is a great option. One of the things about water exercise is remember water is buoyant. And so you lose a lot of um, resistance to gravity in the water. So one of the things that can be helpful in people who have problems with weakness or maybe spasticity, like with people with MS, is that that water can remove that gravity and can allow for further types of exercise. And so it can be really important for maybe people who have those types of things to, to consider water therapy as an option for them. Um, but even people who are fully functional and don't have any disability can consider things like water aerobics or swimming because it's great exercise. It's low impact, so it doesn't um, affect your joints. And it's also a great aerobic exercise and strengthening exercise because as you, you know, you're swimming, you're pulling your, and using your muscles through the water, you're strengthening your muscles. Um, so it can be really beneficial for people of all abilities. Um, one thing about the water too is it can help regulate body temperature. You know, we don't want your temperature to go too high when you're working out. And so the water can help naturally cool you. That being said, you know, you have to watch and getting in some commercial swimming pools because sometimes they're a little bit warmer than others. So you want to watch the water temperature and you want to make sure it's somewhere between like 80 to 84 degrees is, is the most current recommendation. And the only reason for that is, is to just help regulate that temperature. You also want to remember to drink water when you're in the water. Um, people sometimes forget that, but you want to remember to stay hydrated even if you're swimming. Great point. Yes, I think a lot of people forget that. Well, there's so many different options as we've just went through so many. Um, where do you recommend patients kind of start with, with picking an exercise program? Some of it comes back to patient preference and, and what you want to choose to do. But I think sitting down and thinking about what the best strategy for yourself to make sure that you're picking a good exercise that's going to be beneficial and something you can stick with is important and something that you can incorporate into your daily life. Um, so sometimes resources to help with that include people like rehab therapists, exercise trainers, 
um, your uh, doctors that you see and your healthcare team, not only your neurologists, but also maybe your other primary care doctors, because you know, lots of different people need help starting an exercise program. Um, so one of the things that can be helpful is kind of following this, what we call SMART acronym. So the S stands, and this can kind of help you set goals and, and help you determine how you want to start your exercise journey. So the S stands for specific. And so that just means that you're setting a specific goal that you're trying to obtain. The M in this acronym stands for measurable. And so this helps you measure that task. And it's not just something that you wanna be as specific as possible. So it's not just, I want my legs to get stronger. You should be setting a goal to say, I wanna improve my leg strength so I can safely get up the stairs. Setting that goal to work towards where, oh yeah, I can do you know, one step now. I can do two steps now. I can walk up a whole flight of stairs. Giving those types of goals helps you stay on track and stay on focus for your exercise. You want to set a goal that's attainable. So you want to set something that's reasonable that you can achieve. You know, if you're someone who has been in a wheelchair for 20 years, it's unlikely you're going to start dancing and, you know, go on dancing with the stars or something like that. So you definitely want to think about your underlying condition and the fact that you might have to make modifications. And so that's where the R comes in. That stands for realistic. So you have to be realistic with your goals, given your underlying disability, your time constraints, your transportation issues, there's lots of different things that come into play. And then finally, uh, the T stands for time-based. So you wanna make sure that your goal, uh, you have enough time to achieve your goal, but not so much time to lose focus. Because um, we're all human, we all lose focus about something uh, if we do, do it for too long. So uh, the same goes for exercise and in people living with MS and exercise. Great tips, wow. Um, so what tips would you have for, you know, you have your exercise program. Um, what tips do you have for staying safe during, during the exercise? Mm -hmm. One of the most important things is to listen to your body. Um, exercise shouldn't be painful necessarily. Um, it can be intense and it can be uncomfortable, but if it's causing pain, then that's usually an indication that whatever you're doing is, is taking it too far, either for your level of activity um, or just your body's overall physical condition. So definitely listen to your body whenever you start an exercise program. Consulting with your healthcare providers, your neurologists is helpful, as well as consult, possibly consulting with a trainer or exercise or rehabilitation um, specialist can be helpful in staying safe. Um, and sometimes talking to, especially in group settings, talking to the exercise leader. So whoever's leading class, you know, maybe let them know that you might need specific um, modifications to exercises or you might need additional equipment in order to keep you safe and still participate um, with the exercise program. So just um, make sure that you're always individualizing whatever your goal is and making sure you're doing it in a safe way. Great. So kind of going off of that, I mean, patients who do have advanced uh, MS uh, or you know have more symptoms, they can still participate in an exercise, right? Absolutely. Um, and again, it comes back to maybe talking with someone who's leading the exercise program, talking to exercise specialists so that they can help you come up with the best plan for your specific needs. Um, a lot of 
but the, the current recommendations from all MS centers is that anybody who has MS can still exercise in some way. It just might, might not be um, a normal way and you might just have to make those modifications and one of the things like, you know, if, if you have leg weakness, you might want to focus on upper body exercises and stretches. So that's just one example that, that you could see, um, but you should definitely consider uh, exercise even if you have advanced disability. Perfect, okay. Do you have any other resources that you recommend to your patients? I always um, encourage patients to do their own research and be as informed as possible. Um, I think great resources are things like the, the National MS Society, the Mellon MS Center out of Cleveland Clinic, and of course you can always visit our website which is dcndinc.com. Perfect. Well, you said it all for me. There we go. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Mankinick. I appreciate you taking the time out to help us learn more about exercise and MS. Thanks again for having me, Natalie.